I'm here. We're here. And we're back with another episode of It's a Real Struggle Podcast. I'm your girl, Jenny Boom. And today is going to be a really good episode. I have a lot to uncover. And uh, I'm just super excited to be here again with you and to talk on things of life struggles, but in a positive light. And getting through those through the inspiration of my stories and what I've learned about life thus far. I want to thank you again for taking the time to chime in and listen to my last episode. We talked a lot about infidelity and I dig deep into my past of my family's history and my history on infidelity. How it played a major part in the family and also how it influenced a lot of what I've been through in my previous relationships. Um, So definitely reach out to me. Let me know what you think of the episode and would love to discuss more. Um, As for the podcast, I'm going to have them available on YouTube, SoundCloud and Spreaker um, for you to be able to listen to. Um, Hopefully soon I'll upgrade to Apple and Spotify. So I'll keep you posted on that. It's coming soon. And every Thursday I will launch a new episode for your listening pleasure um, I thought, why not make Thursdays my day? It's close to the weekend, so you can have something to listen to, to enjoy, whether you listen to it Thursday when I launch or something to enjoy over the weekend when you're enjoying the air conditioning because it's hot. I am sipping on water right now. It is too hot for a beverage. I would love a cool, cold, cold beer um, or a cold cocktail, margarita. But it's just too hot to even think about liquor right now. So (laughs) I'm going to stay away from that and just stick with my water and keep myself hydrated as I talk with you today. Um, And as always, follow me, subscribe, like, share. You can find me on Instagram at It's a Real Struggle Podcast, all one word. Also on Twitter, which I am making my Twitter popping. I'm tweeting every day as much as I can. All kinds of random stuff. If it relates to the podcast or not, that's at Real Struggle Pod, P-O-D, on Twitter. And I have my own um, Instagram, um, and it's at Miss Jenny Boom, M-I-S-S, Jenny Boom. Um, so let's get into my random thoughts. Sacrifices. <laughs> I thought about this last week. I think after I recorded the infidelity episode, um, I've noticed it in my lifetime. I've used that word a lot. A lot of people I know use that word a lot, and it baffled me because it's like when you think about sacrifice, um. Sacrifice can be used in the biblical terms. It was, you know, you sacrifice saying it's like you're giving something to the Lord or um, in hopes of blessings to come down, good blessings. But with everyday society, a lot of people tend to use that word very loosely. Um, And I just feel like at the end of the day, we all could say we sacrifice something, but they're really choices. Our life is about choices, and I don't think people really notice that the choices that you make um, are based on what you decide to do, whether it's influenced by your peers, um, by society, um, or by life's situations. Um, And with all the struggles that I've been through, I used to use that word a lot. Now, I learned that, hey, you know what? Let's use choices because no one could force you to sacrifice anything. When you decide to go forth with anything that you choose in life, whether it's your career, um, your love life, your family life, having children, these are choices, you know, and you make this with your, your eyes open. So, you know, why not take advantage of that? Um, and learn like, okay, these were my choices as rather saying I sacrificed everything just for this. And I tend to use that a lot when I was in relationships and no, Jen, you didn't sacrifice nothing. You chose to put your needs aside for someone in hopes of that in return. Better yet, um, in hopes of that person 
becoming a better person with you and or your relationship becoming better. And that could go both ways. Um, you know, I just feel like lately a lot of people that I may have conversed with, um, whether I know them or not, um, the ones that have used the word sacrifice, they use it to get empathy for other from others, you know, and the choices that they made in their lives, whether it's going good or not. And I'm just like, that was your choice. No matter what you chose to do that. Um, and I don't want it to come off too harsh. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. You know, it was your choice. Everything that you do in life, you do it with your eyes open. No one's going to force you unless you allow them to. Um, or if you're taken by your, against your will and held, held away from society, that's a different story. But your conscience is working every day with you, you know, and what you decide to do with your life, you know, you have full control over it. The control is not with the other person unless you allow them to have that control. The control is within you. And a good example I'll share. When I moved back to Miami from Boston for grad school, I didn't sacrifice anything, really. It was the choice to put my career that was booming at the time on the side, the opportunity to stay in Boston because the education, they're the higher education mecca of the world. I would say there's so many people that travel from around the world to go to, to relocate to Boston just to get an education. Um, and it's constant. You see college students everywhere, especially when you're near the campuses and there's so many schools you can choose from just in the state of Massachusetts alone. Um, so I've always valued that and blessed that I was able to get my undergraduate degree at UMass Boston. However, when it came to grad school, I had a career that would have paid for any 80% of my degree. I wouldn't have been have to pay that all on my own through student loans. Um, but I didn't want to go to those schools. I wanted to go to University of Miami. And when I looked into the program and saw that they had a professional MBA program, which allowed me to still work full-time and go to school part-time and still get a good equivalent um, master's degree, I took advantage of the opportunity, not realizing it was going to cost me almost over $100,000 for two years. Whereas if I would have went ahead and stayed in Boston, it probably would have been a lot cheaper. So I made that choice to give up my booming career in healthcare at the time, um, my great lifestyle, because I was living good in Boston. Okay. I was doing all right. Credit was getting there. It was doing better. Money was in the savings. I was doing all right. Didn't need a car because I was a commuter. I would have zip car here and there. It was working in my favor, you know. So had I stayed, it definitely would have got better. Um, from I'm hoping. <laughs> but um I chose to move to Miami. And Miami and Boston are two different areas drastically different. When I moved to Miami, of course, I had the idea, oh, there, I'm going to find a great job. Everything's going to work out. I'm going to be good, get my own apartment. We're good. I came back to West Palm Beach to stay for a couple months till I got settled in in Miami. And I had a job right away, but they were paying me half of what I was making in Boston. And I'm like, how am I going to be able to pay rent? Rent was definitely a little cheaper down in Miami, but not enough when you're making half of your good salary. Um, so it pretty much was making the salary that I made 10 years ago. I'm exaggerating, five years ago. But I chose to relocate to Miami. I probably at that time was saying, I sacrifice, I sacrifice just so I could get a better education. No, Jen, you could have did that in Boston and been okay, but you wanted to go to Miami. So the after effects of that you're going to have to deal with. And finding a job was a horrible thing down there because they wanted someone that was bilingual. So the jobs that I knew I was qualified for, just because I did not speak Spanish fully, I am not bilingual. You know, I know a few words. I maybe could say a couple sentences, but I, I can't have a full conversation with you in Spanish and fully articulate. I can read it, but speaking it always been my challenge, which I am working on. <laughs> but, um, a lot of those jobs I couldn't get because I was not bilingual. And had I been, I think I would have been all right. Um, 
So that was one struggle. Another struggle was in school. When you go back to school, you're autom- if you don't have the money to pay for it in cash or that resource to take care of it for you, you're broke. You are broke as fuck. And your girl was broke. Okay. I found ways to have a good time. And I like to shout out Winwood for all of my going out nights with my girls down there in Miami. Shout out to them because it was very expensive <laughs> trying to go out in Miami. I could not do Miami Beach. Okay. Miami Beach was very expensive. You had to get in free. You want to get in free. You had to go through the promoters, but the drink minimum would cost you $30. I'm sorry. $20 for one drink. But it was really like, I couldn't really go out as much as I wanted to in Miami. My classmates were able to, the ones that did have the money, they did the whole lavish going to Club Live and um, going to Miami Beach to this club and that club. Um, and what's the other club? Um, shit, I forgot the strip club downtown Miami. It wasn't really a strip club, I was per se, say, but you know. They were going to that club and um, they was able to do all of the, you know, things that the celebrities tend to do when they come down to Miami to vacation. Um, I couldn't do that. So that was my choice. You know, I stopped using the word sacrifice because it wasn't really a sacrifice. You just chose to go a different route because you wanted to go after something you really wanted and you felt better going to University of Miami. Now, I can honestly say I would have gotten the same education, if not better, in Boston. But I do thank and appreciate my experience at University of Miami because it helped me learn more about who I am and what I'm capable of doing in this world. You know, more than just working for a company, what can I produce and bring out to the world and do more for myself with my talents and the skills that I've discovered with those two years, which hence, hey, the podcast is one of them. Um, And the second point with just sacrifices, which are really choices, the people that I chose to date and fully focus on. These men didn't force me to be with them. Of course, they decided to, hey, you know, we're going to talk. I like you, this and that, and have this thing going on. Um, And if I said, okay, of course, if they're going to turn out to be buttholes or turn out to be not what I thought they would be. Hey, I chose to mess with him. It wasn't a sacrifice. I didn't sacrifice anything with these men because unless they had a gun to my head, which none of them did, I had a choice to walk away from them. And I chose not to. I chose to answer the phone, answer the text message. I chose to allow them to come over. These was all. This was all done with my eyes open. I didn't have my eyes closed and I wasn't going, oh, I pick you. Didn't work that way. And I try to tell my friends, you know, people that do come to me, I'm like, look, these are the choices that you make when you choose to be with someone and you want to commit your life to this person. Be prepared for the issues that may come, especially if this person is no good for you and things like they're not providing you what you need or they're cheating or, you know, they're lying or they're playing games or they're always arguing. It's like, hey, I mean, you can always walk away. You have a choice in this. You have power on what it what you can do for yourself. Follow through. If you don't want to do that, you know, this person may, may not change, but it's going to take you to either encourage the change for them to be better to you or for you to be able to walk away from the situation altogether. So it's just sacrifices. It's... <laughs> We got to stop using that word so much. Um, it's the choices you make. You're in control of your life no matter what. And a lot of people will try to use excuses and blame other people. And it's like, no, nah, man, you chose this. You know, me choosing to go somewhere or be with someone, that's all falling on me, you know, at the end of the day. Whether this person's going to be there for me or not, I'm choosing to follow through with that. Whether this education opportunity or this career works for me or not, I'm choosing to put in the work. I'm choosing to try to make it work better for me. Um, So I can't really blame anyone. And there were times I would blame the school for certain things. And I'm like, Jen, you chose to come here. (laughs) You chose to come here. You chose to get in debt. And I would blame them for like their inadequacy and, 
you know, having to go to the financial aid. I hated every semester I had to go to financial aid office to get my student loans intact because they were trying to cut my student loan aid. I'm like, look, I gave up everything to come down here. I chose to come to your school. I didn't have to come to your school, but I came. Please work with me. And they did. But I made sure I showed them respect. I wasn't mean. I wasn't nasty. And I was persistent. So they knew she's taking her education seriously. Look, I don't mind. I'm getting into debt and have a mortgage now. But at the same time, I need you to work with me because I need to graduate. That's important. And I can tell you my last semester was very tough. I lost my job. I was waiting for my student aid and was behind on my rent, you know, for like a month and a half. Thank God for my roommate at the time. She was very understanding because I was always on time with my bills, but she was okay with covering me until I got my money. And when I got my money, I paid for her all, I paid my rent all the way until I was moving out the next year. Cause I knew after that I couldn't afford it anymore. And I wanted to leave Miami. Um, so yeah, people don't use sacrifice anymore. Use choices. It was my choice. I chose this. I chose to move forward with that. I chose to make this happen. I chose to make that happen. There was never a sacrifice. It's all choices. Um, And embrace it. You're the master of your abilities. And you're the master of your life. Your choices you make, look at the positive of it. You know, what was beneficial for me choosing not to follow through with this relationship? Or choosing to get my education? Or choosing to take this job? Sometimes you got to take a couple steps back before you get 10 steps forward. And that's okay. Don't beat yourself up on it. It's not worth it. You know, but that's my random thoughts. <laughs> I was thinking about that last week and I'm like, it really irks me. But let me talk on, let me share on, let me look back on times that I've used that and decided, oh my gosh, I sacrificed everything for you. No, you chose to deal with me, honey. <laughs> Get with it. If you don't like it, walk away. Of course, they're going to try to come back. No, that was random too, right? Anyway, let's move on to in my journal. Oh, man. This one, this is this is going to be a deep conversation. Um, as a, It's going to be about being mixed race. And a lot lately you see with a lot of kids that are born into this world, Outside of what you see in entertainment, I'm noticing a lot in my community um, and wherever I go certain places, I'm seeing a lot of children that are born and they have more than one ethnicity um, or their parents are mixed and, um, you know, they either have a black dad, white mom or Spanish mom, vice versa, whatever. And me born as a um, half Puerto Rican and half African-American, we just say black. Um, I call myself an Afro-Latina now because I've learned and understand what that means. And a lot of descendants of the Hispanic islands are African. Um, so I just say, you know, I don't mind resonating myself with Afro-Latina, you know, instead of just saying mixed race. So I don't really like that word, word race that much, but we'll go with Afro-Latina. Um, so growing up, I got a lot of the, what do you mix with? Where you come from? Where you from? Is your mama white? Is your daddy black? You know, it was annoying because I'm not white. <laughs> my mother's Puerto Rican um, and my father's black. And they said, oh, okay. That's why you're so light skinned. Really, bitch? You know, I hated hearing that. It was just, okay, I, I could be... A darker shade and still be mixed with Puerto Rican and black or be full Puerto Rican and be very chocolate, dark chocolate, light chocolate, because I have cousins in Puerto Rico that are darker than me. Okay. They have more kinkier hair than I do, but they see themselves as Puerto Rican. You know, you don't have to ask them what they mix with. You could tell. Um, so that really bothered me at times, but I just went along with it, smile, you know, and keep moving. Um, and the household dynamics was very interesting growing up. My mother used to always say, you're black, you're black, you're black. Um, which stuck with me after a while because I was like, okay, I'm black. (laughs) 
when we would get signed up for school, she would check mark black. And I'm like, but you're Puerto Rican and you're my mommy. Why are you putting black? You black because your daddy black. I never heard anything like that before in my life. And I'll tell you right now, I will not say that to my children. You know, I love my mom. God rest her soul. But I just never understood that. Like, why are we choosing one or the other? I don't know if there was any benefit to it, given that we were um, low income and if that benefited her more. But, I mean, she should have been clicking other or checkmarking. Sorry, not clicking. <laughs> papers at the time. Checkmarking other. But she didn't. So the household dynamic was interesting because everyone in the house spoke English except for my mom. My mom spoke both English and Spanish. She was fluent in both languages, could read and write both languages. Um, and I never understood why I never spoke Spanish. Um, her story was that I was confused at the age of three and the doctor told her to just stick with one language with me. And I think because I was a, with my father's side of the family, the black side a lot more, and they spoke more English. So when it came to being around the Spanish side of the family and they spoke Spanish, it probably was confusing me. I don't know. Um, but all I know is I could never understand what they were saying. But their actions, when they would say to do some things with their hands, I kind of recognized and would articulate what they were asking for. And I would do it. Um, so it was always there. It was just a matter of my mom really putting the time and patience to teach me Spanish. Um, which could have been easily done. Send me to Puerto Rico in the summer and keep me there for a whole two months, you know. Or as a kid, she could have had me there for a year or two. Again, I don't know if that was even feasible for her to do um, and if my father would be comfortable with that. But it would have been cool to know Spanish. Um, and it's crazy because with my appearance, how I look, um, I could look Puerto Rican at times but also look black. But I'm very of light tone, um, like my mother. I'm like a spitting image of her. Um, if you go on my Instagram page, you'll see a picture. I have photos of my mom on there. And you'll notice I'm like <laughs> an instant re replication of her. Um, and I'm the lightest one out of all my siblings. All my siblings are darker than me. Um, and it's it was challenging at times because they was all calling me light bulb, white girl, um, put a shade, it was a, put a shade on my head, put me in the corner. I'll light up the room. Oh, the names go in. Okay. <laughs> High yellow, <laughs> red bone. Oh God, I couldn't stand that one. Um, so, you know, but I was more black on the inside because I hung out. I was with my father's side of the family the most. So the old school R&B, the funk, all of that music, um, the food, you know, I love food from both sides, you know, Puerto Rican food and um, black food, both my favorite, you know, but it was me. I was like, when I talk and the way I am, the way I think it was highly motivated by my father's side of the family. Um, so growing up mixed, it was just interesting to experience um, from what I can remember um, being in elementary school. I got picked on a lot. Because I was light-skinned, I grew up in Riviera Beach in Monroe Heights. And there were definitely, it was predominantly black. And a lot of my friends, they were darker than me. And I didn't mind that because I wasn't looking at their skin tone. I was just like them as a person. And wanted to be friends with them, wanted to hang out with them. And when some, certain other people within the neighborhood would come hang around, oh, she thinks she all that because she light-skinned. They would just hate me automatically. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to you. Why are you like this with me? Yeah, I would get into fights. I got into a lot of fights as a kid. Um, because I had to defend myself, they would pick on me, mess with my hair, you know, play with me, push me. And I'm like, what the hell? Why am y'all beating up on me? Like, what do I do to you? They just didn't like how I look. And it could just go back to their family and or how they were treated because they were darker and they were disregarded. And it sucks. You know, no one deserves to go through that. But don't come at me. <laughs> I didn't do anything to you. So it was it was a struggle. I had to really defend myself and take up for myself, which I think I really fought more on wanting the darker tone girls to like me and hang out with me more and as I got older became a teenager I started to have more um Hispanic friends and that was easy because I was the same color as them 
which I noticed that was the issue too. You know, I hang, we all hang out together and we had to deal with a lot of little jealousy and mean looks and things like that because the boys were gravitating towards us. Couldn't control it. They like what they see. But at the same time, I'm like, I had, had dark skin friends. I had light skin friends. You know, I had Puerto Rican friends. I had black friends. Started to have white friends because I just wanted to be friends with people. I didn't really care about the, your nationality, where you're from. I was okay with just being your friend. Um, if you were a good person and you liked what I like and we both like to hang out and play and things like that, we could hang out. So that was definitely a struggle. Also, the special treatment. You know, I was always considered privileged because I was light skinned. I have, didn't have to worry about anything. Um, my family's poor. I didn't have no money. You know, yes, I was the spoiled one because I was the oldest one, but I also had to look after my siblings. And I had to fight a lot for my brother. Nobody could touch my brother. I would beat you up. <laughs> I fought boys as a kid. Had no shame in doing that. But they weren't too <laughs> much on me. And I think it was because they were like, oh, don't hurt her. <laughs> She's too light. She'll bruise easily. I don't know. Or maybe they're like, my mama told me not to hit girls. And I'm just beating them up. <laughs> like, don't touch my brother. Don't, pass with, don't mess with my brother. Don't pick on my brother. <laughs> You know, looked out for my siblings a lot because I didn't want anything to happen to them. And, you know, and them being bullied, that was a problem for me because I was bullied and I had to defend for myself. Um, so it's a special treatment. So as a child growing up, I didn't realize that I had it good because of my color, because of the color of my skin. And later on, as I became older, that bothered me. When I became an adult, I started to realize the difference um, when I relocated to Boston and learned that, hey, not everybody is down with that. Um, because dating in the South, I was considered a light-skinned queen, okay? As a teenager, I had plenty of boyfriends. There were always guys coming after me, you know, my skinny, mini, light-skinned self, you know, running around. Of course, they want to need to be their girlfriend or try to have sex with me or whatever. Um, and a lot of my boyfriends that I had, of course, they dated me because of my ethnicity. And I didn't realize it until, like, looking back on what they said. And it was more of a, you know, well, you're light-skinned and I like that. And you're pretty. We'll make pretty babies. I'm like, what? what? I'm only 16. I won't have no kids right now. <laughs> You know, you'd be so beautiful and my wife and this and that. And not realizing that oppression is real in the South. And it's unattractive. Now, I'm not feeling that. No matter where I am, on the South, the North, the West, the Midwest, if you're dating me because I'm light-skinned and that's what you prefer and that's the most important thing as to why you're under me, we done. I don't want to date you. Because you... Don't love yourself. I Black is beautiful in my eyes. My father's black, okay? And I would love to be with a black man. But I don't discriminate. So if anything other than that comes my way and treat me right and we're going to be together, cool. But if you're only dating me because of that, I'm not feeling that. That's not cool. That doesn't make me feel comfortable as a woman. Because it's like, okay, if I was darker, you wouldn't date me? Let's speak on that. If I was Two tones darker, had more kinkier hair than I have now. My hair is very thick and it'll scrunch up, put the wrong products, it'll scrunch up and them curls will be so dang on tight. And I could create an afro with my hair and I embrace it now. But if my hair wasn't as thick and as soft as it was and it was more kinkier and shorter, you say you wouldn't date me. I think that's fucked up. And it bothers me as a woman because... Every woman is beautiful in their own way, but don't be quick to date someone because of their nationality, you know, or how they look. They have to have loose curls and lighter skin. Like, that's not cool. So when I moved up north, I had this privileged attitude, not realizing they like good darker up north. They There's men out there that really embrace their women up north and they're not dating someone because of how they look. Yet they still have preference. But I was like, oh, I went up there and I thought I was all that. I thought I was cute in Boston. Well, that was a lie. I'm cute. 
But a lot of men didn't really come my way because some of them thought light skin was an issue. They may have saw light skin as Jezebels, that we little whores, we get around. Not necessarily. But for me, I, I was just trying to figure out why these men weren't really coming my way. But they went after the women that were darker than me, had more natural hair, and just was, there was a lot different, with complete opposites. So it confused me because I'm like, why am I being disregarded? This is interesting. And the men that did talk to me, whether it was the confidence or they had a preference, um, they didn't say too much about my skin or anything. There was one guy, he was like, I only date light-skinned girls. I don't know why I kept dating him, (laughs) but he really wasn't feeling anyone darker than, I guess, him. Um, And I had a conversation with him not too long ago because we're still cool. And I was just like, you know, um, I don't really care what, you know, what shade my baby comes out or whatever. They could be darker than me. I'm fine with that. I would love to have some black, beautiful babies. Um, not because it's in, but just because I, I embraced that part of my culture. And he was like, oh no, they need to be lighter. to you. Let them get a chance in life. And that hit me because it's like, you don't think darker skinned people have a chance in life. Yes. It's a lot harder for them, but they're definitely more intelligent, more successful than you think. You know, all of our kids don't need to be light skinned. You know, they don't, they don't have to be. But I wasn't planning to have children with him. I was just having a conversation to see where his head was at. And his head was exactly, exactly where it is, like the men, some men I've dated in the South, a good majority of them. Not all of them are chasing light-skinned girls, but there's a good percentage of them that prefer to have lighter shade. Um, they think that's more beautiful. And really, it's more within the character of the person, how they take care of themselves. Because I've seen some girls that are light-skinned and they look a hot mess. Okay, they didn't see light skin, but they don't moisturize their skin enough. <laughs> they don't take care of themselves that that well. You could tell, you know. They look. Some of them was looking sloppy, and I'm like, oh, you still gonna date that? Cause she light skin. Something wrong with you. Um. So up north, it was like it was hard for me to date because they really looked at that and said, oh no, she's a problem. Oh no, she thinks she all that. She gonna think she bougie. I don't want to date that. Um, there was one guy, it was like, he told me, oh, I love my black chocolate girls, but was laying up in my bed. That, that put some damage to me a little bit because um, it made me question, okay, but you're here with me. Am I just for a good time? And that's pretty much what it was. I'm not going to take you out and flaunt you to the world because I don't want people thinking that I'm selling out because you light skin, but I'm black. In Puerto Rican, we go to the island, you're going to see a lot of people that look like me, if not darker. It's just natural there. But to him, he was like, no, black is beautiful. And you didn't make the cut, but I'll sleep with you, though. The Jezebel that you are. (laughs) I'll sleep with you, but I'm not going to make you wifey. I'm going to make this woman wifey because she darker, she's more natural. My African-American goddess, this and that or whatever. And it's cool. You have your preference. And I'm going to respect that. But you don't need to be laying up in my bed. So I had to dead that one real quick. And that led me to just respecting the preference. If someone has a preference of what they like, what they don't like, and that goes back to the dude that I was dating and he only liked light skin, let him date light skin. The other dude that wanted more of a chocolate complexion, let him date chocolate complexion. Your preference is your preference. What you choose, who you choose to date is all on you. I'm not here to judge and I'm not here to change what your preference may be. I'd rather be with someone that not only prefers to be with a woman as beautiful as I am, but also can respect my my character, my intelligence, my love and appreciate it. And not just say, oh, because she light skin, we're going to be successful. We're going to be good. No, no, bruh doesn't always work that way and then at the end of the day I'm still a human being so don't automatically think that you know because of the color of my skin we're gonna be better off I know plenty of people are pretty or whatever and they struggling it doesn't make a difference 
no matter how many likes you get on social media, if you don't have it together internally, you know, you're not doing good to yourself and to the world, you ain't gonna really succeed much. But to each his own, right? I'm breaking that cycle because I had to struggle with that a lot. I had to choose. I'm black one day, Puerto Rican the next day. I like salsa one day. I like the electric slide the next day, <laughs> you know, um, but I am who I am and I embrace that I have more than one culture that I can love and appreciate and be proud of. And that's what it boils down to. Just be proud of it. All the children that's being born into this world that have more than one nationality, embrace it. If you are more than one nationality, embrace it. If you're Asian, Hispanic, and Caucasian, embrace it. If you're Black and you're Puerto Rican and Jamaican or whatever, or you're Bahamian, Jamaican, whatever, embrace it. It's just, there's no reason for us to be like, oh, I have to pick one. This society in America, specifically, has made it that way for decades and I used to hate having to go apply for a job. I just started putting two or more races, which in parentheses, they say not Hispanic or Latino. You'll find out when I talk to you because that's not fair, you know, because believe it or not, they do use that to choose who they're going to decide to hire or not. As much as they say they don't. Why are you asking? Why do you care enough to know who it is? Find out when you meet me in person. It's just annoying. So... Moving forward, there's this mixed baby phenomenon going on. Um, now you see it more than ever. You know, is it these black men are getting with more light-skinned women, more in the entertainment industry. You see a lot of it in Hollywood, whether she's white, she's um, international, could be from Europe or wherever, or she's Hispanic. You know, they're, they're being with these women and, and making um, mixed babies. Um and one thing that killed me the most with a lot of women that would say it, or men, specifically men, you know, I want pretty babies. And that's why I'm with the Hispanic woman or a white woman or an international woman, whether she's from Europe or wherever, um, because I want my baby to be beautiful. I want my baby to have good hair. I want my baby to be lighter shade. You know, I want my baby to have a chance. Have a seat. Because that's dumb. Okay, what do you, so you're going to be better to this child because they're light skinned because they got good hair. That doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> what? I'm confused. That always confused me when I used to hear that. And I still hear it to this day. Oh, my baby got good hair because my baby half Puerto Rican or half white, you know, or half Armenian. What? I know plenty of beautiful black children that got long, thick, full, beautiful hair. Or their hair is soft because of genetics. It goes back in history. Their parents may look black, but their parents probably got, their parents' parents are mixed with something or whatever. And the traits went down to that child. And that child is black and beautiful. On Instagram all the time, I see certain people post the pictures with those beautiful black babies. And I think I follow a page. I don't remember it. Well, where I don't know where my phone is right now. But, <laughs> um, like, are you serious? You know, all children are beautiful, you know. And we just got to embrace their beauty for who they are, you know. And, and it goes back to who you choose to be with. You know, it can't be like, oh, yeah, if I go be with this black woman, you know, my baby's not going to come out right. Are you serious? Something wrong with you. You need help. You know, and it's just recently with the Chris Brown thing and one of his songs, um, so I think it's Need a Stack um, on his recent album, Indigo. And he talks about I only fuck with um, black women with nice hair. First of all, a lot of women did go after him. But my take on that, he said he only fuck black women with nice hair. So he's not marrying. He's not being fully committed to. He's not treating them right. He's just fucking them. That's his preference, right? 
And that stirred a lot of controversy, which I think it was more just for publicity so people could listen to his album. He gets a lot of streaming going on, etc. Which is a good album, by the way. I am a fan of Chris Brown, but I'm just not a fan of his antics, you know, because this is very common in the industry. Not only in our society today with a lot of black men, they do tend to route to women that are not black or are mixed with something and black as well um, to make to have children with. And, you know, they expect the baby to come out cute and the baby will be have a lighter shade, will have nicer hair, all of this stuff. And they consider that beautiful. And that's a problem. But I feel like in another sense, it was taken out of proportion because we already know who he prefer to mess with. You've seen his ex-girlfriends, Karuchi, Rihanna, the other girl, I think, after Karuchi that he's been messing with, the last three girls he's been messing with after Karuchi. They all look alike. They all light-skinned with pretty hair. Nice features, okay? I have not seen him with anyone darker than Rihanna. Rihanna has been the darkest out of all of them. They're all beautiful women, but we know what he prefers. So why go after him? You just don't entertain it. You know, at the end of the day, in his VIP, which I've experienced, I'll talk about that. Um, you know, they they only want light-skinned girls or white girls or Spanish girls. They don't want black girls at their VIP section. First of all, don't be trying to get in any section. Get your own section and pop bottles. I'll get to my story. Um, I was in Vegas for my 30th birthday. This was last year. We were at Jewel Nightclub, and I believe um, that night, it was a Monday night, it was a hip-hop night, that club was popping, it was so much fun, we danced, they played really good music, like, it was worth it, um, and me and my friends were dancing um, close to the rope where the, they create for the dance floor, and you see the VIP right um, behind you. Um, and there was a group of guys in VIP from what I seen, what I remember seeing, um, even though I was really drunk and high, <laughs> um, there were a lot of guys there, black guys. Um, and one of them had a money team hat on. There were talks that there was dancers from Chris Brown or whatever. And I paid attention to who the girls they had in VIP. They were mostly exotic and or white girls. Um, they were looking at me, I was looking at them, but I didn't want to go over there. I didn't care to, you know, cause I already know what that is. So I'm not going to go to the extra, to the extreme level just to get their attention. Um, cause I didn't come there for that. I came to have a good time and dance and spend time with my girls for my birthday celebration. So we're dancing and we're having a good time. And there was this black girl that, um, of course, it was darker than me, and she was dancing to a beautiful girl, by the way. She was from L.A. She was so much fun, um, and we're dancing, having a good time, and then she went to talk to um, the security guard for that VIP, ta VIP table where um, Chris Brown dances and the Money Team crew's hanging, um, and he was like, no, you can't come in, and the dude was like, no dark-skinned girls, and I turned around because I heard that. You know, as drunk and as high as I was, my ears were wide open and alert. And I looked at them and I looked at the girl and I saw the look on her face. It was very distraught. You know, she was a beautiful girl. And I'm like, these Negroes did not say that. And I looked, I said, come on, girl, you don't need to go over there. You could dance with us. Light skin me, that should be in their face, right? I grabbed her ass and said, bring your butt over here. We're going to have a good time. You don't need to go over there. And, you know, she came back over and we kept on going at it or whatever. We was dancing and I looked at them. I said, they stupid. <laughs> they stupid. Child, you don't need to do all that. After that, I think the security guard noticed it and he was intrigued and he was like, y'all thirsty? The dudes end up leaving. They left all their bottles or whatever. And he gave us their bottles of Patron and Hennessy. And that made us even more drunker. But I didn't know the security guard was trying to talk to me. But that baffled me because how dare you think that's cool to make a black woman feel like she was the one that 
did something wrong because you had a preference of what kind of girls you need in your VIP, which I'm going to be honest, it was all to put on a show. They have those girls there because they want to look good and look like they got it popping. So why not have some foreign girls, some exotic girls, some light-skinned girls at your table, right? Anyway, that was just annoying. So when Tokyo Vanity went on, Chris went after Chris Brown about what he did or whatever. I remember going through that and I could relate to that. You know, even though it didn't happen to me directly, I witnessed it happen to someone that I didn't know, but I was having a good time with. And I just thought it was fucked up. <sighs> you see any any dude do that or whatever, no matter what nationality he is, and he want to discriminate on by the color of your skin, don't even entertain it. To be honest, these girls don't even need to be going after it. They want to have white girls in their VIP let them have them in there. You don't need to be in there. I remember when even in Boston, we was at this one club um, and there were basketball players from the Brooklyn Nets in town because they were playing the Celtics. And we was at this club and my friend, she's a huge basketball fan. She went over there, was trying to get attention. I looked and observed what was going on at VIP. One nothing but white and exotic girls. Not one black girl mind you that's all black dudes dark as they can be in the vip wasn't one black girl that i could tell is black at their vip and i said i don't want to go over there i ain't trying to get their attention and i turn my happy ass around it's a turnoff you know some people may be cool with it but i'm not cool with it it's a turnoff so respect the preference it is what it is you can't really change how they feel about things, and it doesn't really matter, you know, as long as they're not disrespecting you. And of course, we're trying to put this movement to have men embrace it, but believe it or not, there are men out there that do love dark-skinned women, that love to have someone other than what is being promoted on television and in society and on social media. Don't pay attention to that stuff. It is what it is, because we have preferences as women, too. I have a preference of what I prefer to date and what I prefer not to date. And that's cool. I don't want nobody coming at me about what I decide, who I decide to date or whoever I decide to be with, you know. At the end of the day, it is what it is. I'm comfortable with that. So just respect it. And if you ever encounter a situation like that, your friends in the club and you see a celebrity that you like, rapper, whoever it is, and they allow your light-skinned friends to get in VIP and your light-skinned friends decide to go and get in VIP, they want your friends, boo, because we all got to stick together. That's always been a huge pack with me and my friends. If you're going to invite me to VIP, everybody else got to come too, not just me because I'm light-skinned. And, of course, I could have easily gotten to that VIP with them dudes, but I wasn't even paying no mind to them. I didn't even know who they were. They're dancers of whoever. Okay, good for you, but what can you really do for me, you know? And why would I want to be with someone that's just really dating someone by the color of their skin? What about how I am as a person? Am I going to be there for you, take care of you? And I think a lot of them will realize it later. You know, I'm just wrong to say when they money gone, but let me stop. <laughs> you know, but moving on. <laughs> What's happening now? Um, I did a little research, you know, the grad school me. Um, I did some research on the evolution of multiple nationalities with babies. And I mean, it goes back. It's been 50, 50 so or so years since the Loving versus Virginia case. Um, if y'all remember, it was the Loving couple. It was a white man and a black woman. And they could not live in Virginia because they were married and they were mixed race. Um, so it, it goes back to 1967, which isn't that long ago. Um, but I remember watching the documentary and they were country as ever. Oh my God. They were so country, but you saw the love, like he really loved her and he built her a house and it was really sweet, but they couldn't live in their own state that they were born and raised because it was against the law to marry outside your race. Um, but that's changing now. The current stats on the source from NPR, this is back in 2017, um, there's been a 14% increase in babies born into this country um, as mixed race. Um, and it just shows that that's continuing to evolve and more people are just dating people because they want to date them, not because, oh, because he's black or because she's white or did things like that. It's more like, hey, you meet someone, whether it's in college or not college or wherever, you like them, they like you, you get together, you, either y'all get married or not, you end up having children. It's just happening. And I'm seeing more of children that look like me 
more than ever. And I'm cool with it. I think it's a great thing, you know, and also with the um, Pew Research, it definitely says that there are more babies being born. And from what I noticed on the map that they provided, this is from 2017, the highest percentage was in Florida, Virginia, New York, and on the West Coast, um, California, Nevada, um, Oregon, and Washington State. And the highest was Hawaii, which is interesting, right? Um, and it wasn't just black and white or black and Spanish, Asian and Hispanic, Asian and black, Asian and white. Um, people are just dating people because they like them or they love them. And there's a connection. They want to be with them. And I see nothing wrong with that, you know. So, yeah, it's a phenomenon that's happening. We can't really go back in time, you know. Don't get me wrong. There's still a good percentage of people that would just date their own race, marry their own race, have children with their own race, which is fine, too. You love who you love. You have a preference, and it's totally cool. So my message with all this is just embrace who you are. You're perfect. Whether you have one nationality, two, or ten, you are who you are. Um, And someone's going to be cool with that no matter what. And the people that are not, they don't matter. Just be happy with who you are. And it's totally fine. Um, so that's my, and that's the whole in my journal. Um, <laughs> it was a lot to talk about, a lot to uncover. Whew. I mean, this is stuff that I have been, I've been going through and I've just been working on. And it feels good to know that um, anyone that can relate to this, that, you know, it's, you can always embrace it and feel good about who you are. And no longer do I just say I'm black or I'm Puerto Rican. I'm both. And shout out to Netflix. I applied to a job with them. Um, they had on the ethnicity mixed race. You don't know how happy I was to see that. <laughs> Finally, I don't have to just pick one, which lately I've just been putting two or more races um, because that's what I am. I'm not just one. Um, so anyway. Send me your questions. Let me know what you think um, about this episode and anything that you may have experienced in relations to being mixed or not being mixed or um, experience, you know, being around people that are. Um, you could send it to my um, Instagram at, at It's a Real Struggle Podcast. I'm on Twitter as well at Real Struggle Pod. Or you can hit me up personally on my own Instagram at Miss Jenny Boom, M-I-S-S Jenny Boom. So if you want to send me any of your questions or anything that you want me to talk about, I'll definitely open the floor for that. Um, And this is pretty much it. (laughs) Um, I want to thank y'all for taking the time to hang out with me, listen to my stories. And um, until next time, you know, stay hydrated, take care of yourself, drink plenty of water. It is too hot to be dehydrating or ticking, sticking too much to sugar. Make sure you got a bottle of water with you everywhere you go. You do not want to get dehydrated. Um, and until next time, peace.